win against the top 10 and the orange had them all the way. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into my heart. Three for the win battle. Bang! Boom! And the orange do it again. The cardiac juice comes through on the road one more time. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us alongside Seth Goldberg. I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Wednesday edition of Orange Nation. We are brought to you in part by Duntire. 315-437-7644 if you'd like to get involved. And today is the day. We've been saying for, well, since Syracuse lost to Duke in the Sweet 16, well, Ty Spaddle's got a lot of time. You know, the NCAA changed its rules. He can go to the Combine. He's got an extra month. He can, you know, get as much information as possible. He can work out for teams after the Combine. He's done all that. He's gathered the information. He's gone to the Combine. He's worked out for at least five teams that we know of since the Combine. He no longer has a lot of time, though. Today is the day Ty Spaddle needs to make a decision if he already hasn't made that decision, I'm sure he has. But we will, we should learn by midnight tonight what Tyus Battle is going to do. And I guess if there's no decision, that means he's going to the NBA. I would like, I would like to throw out this option if Tyus is in Syracuse and, and would like to tell us what's going on. Should I give the number three one five four three seven seventy six forty four? We we would be happy to to hear what what he's thinking. But uh, yeah, uh, you know, joking aside, he he doesn't have much time anymore, right? He's got less than twelve hours to go make this decision uh, or to finalize this decision, really, because I I would imagine, and uh, I I'm not in this situation, never have been, never will be. Uh, but I would imagine that this kind of a decision has been made already, right? Like, uh, think about most of the big decisions you've made in your life, and uh, they are probably done more than 12 hours before they need to be made. So I would imagine this decision has already been made. It just needs to be finalized. The fact that we have yet to hear, do you think that, should we read into that at all? Because... You know, he had a workout yesterday in L.A., so we weren't going to hear before the workout yesterday. Even if he was coming back, he was going to go through the workout. Uh, Do you think that, since we didn't hear anything last night, do you think that indicates one thing or the other? I I don't know what to read into anything. I don't want to read into anything, right? Like, I I don't know what any of it means. And, And if I start to sit here and say, oh, well, he went on that visit yesterday. That means he's leaving. But, oh, we haven't heard yet. That means he's coming back. Like, you could just twist yourself into such of a it's such a knot, right? And you you can throw yourself into you know make yourself into a pretzel, basically trying to figure out and bend over backwards to to find the point, you know where where he's at right now. And I, I think it's impossible to know where Tyus is, right? I think it's impossible to know what what he's thinking right now and and where his decision making stands. And if you try and read into anything. You know, we'll talk about a mock draft. Oh, well, he fell to 40th in the ESPN mock draft. Maybe that means he's coming back. I, I have no idea. And and I think that if you think he's coming back, you can find things that would say, that, that would prove your point, right? That would back up your point. Hey, look at all those mock drafts. Look at all of them, right? ESPN and, and Bleacher Report and The Ringer and, and all these places that have him as second round and maybe late second round and maybe undrafted. Or... If you think he's leaving and you want to back up your case that he's going to leave, say, hey, well, you know what? The 40th pick, especially if you're a college player, you're going to get a, a year or two guaranteed, maybe even above the minimum. And, hey, you know what? He, he's he gone on five visits in the last you know week and a half. He's not coming back, right? Like I, I think that no matter what you want to think and, and what you think he will do, 
you can find something that's going to back up your point. Since you brought up the mock drafts, I did ask our producer, Max Burgandy, to, to give us a taste of what some of the mock drafts are saying. So he put this list together right before the show. He gave us a handful of, of options here. Uh, ESPN has him going 40th to the Nets. Jonathan Gavoni has him going 40th to the Nets. NBADraftRoom.com, 57th to the Thunder. NBADraft.net does not have him listed. And so we went from talking about Tyus, you know, borderline late first round pick to early second round pick. It is now feeling, and and I don't know if this is going to affect his decision at all, but it's feeling more and more like it's no longer late first round to early second round. It feels like mid second round to potentially late second round. And again, one of those mock drafts that's, you know, just one of the handful that we pulled didn't have him going at all. By now, he's he's made his decision. I don't think there's any doubt about it. And and with that in mind, we uh, we lined up Mike Waters to come on with us uh, in about 10 minutes from now. I thought that by the time we hit the air today, I thought we would know. I, he worked out for the Lakers yesterday. A lot of other guys have come out. Uh, Dante DiVincenzo came out, said he's staying in the draft. I do think that's that's a potential issue for for battle. The fact that Divincenzo's still in the, in the draft, Josh Okogie's stock rose. He's now considered a late first round pick. Right. Divincenzo's considered a late first round pick. Grayson Allen considered by some a late first round pick. Maybe falls to the early second round. But those are those are guys who play his position. You know, yeah, they're, they're guards that are you know that their stock is going up. Certainly, Divincenzo and Okogie. You know, Grayson Allen is what Grayson Allen is. But you know that on draft day, if you're a team looking for a guard. You know, uh, you may go with those options first, and that may push him down the draft a little bit. Well, and and I made this point, you know, during the season when when we talked about Tyus and, and in the last couple of weeks of, you know, I think Tyus is a really good basketball player. I really do, and I think he's a great college guard. I mean, he was second-team All-ACC. That puts you in, in uh, some pretty great company. That being said, when you look at him as an NBA prospect, there are a lot of guys who could do what he does, right? There are a lot of guys who are... Let, let's widen this range to six four to six eight. Who play the wing? Who can play the two, the three, and can shoot the three? Can defend and you know have have little to minimal playmaking ability, right? Or, or a little playmaking ability at least. Josh Okogi fits that. Dante DiVincenzo fits that. Grayson Allen fits that. And if you're not going to go and stand out, and if you're not going to do anything special then you just kind of fall in with everybody else, and, and you just kind of end up in this group together with other guys like that. End of the first, beginning of the second, middle of the second. Okay, we, we've got other guys who can do what you do, right? There are a lot of guys who do that. There are a lot of six-foot-six wings in the NBA. There just are. And, and especially with the way basketball is going, there are more and more. So the fact that his stock is falling, and, and I don't know that that's accurate as much as other guys around him are rising, right, as we've gone through this process, I, I don't think it should be shocking given that we, we kind of knew this was a possibility, right? We knew that there are a lot of guys who go to the combine as six foot six guards who can shoot the three. Some guys help their cause, some guys don't help their cause, and and I think you put it well there, Seth, that Tyus didn't necessarily hurt himself with these workouts. 
Um, but I don't know how much he helped himself either. And then you have repeatedly raised the question, well, how much does he help himself if he comes back? And I know we disagree on this slightly, but it is a gamble if he comes back. It's a gamble either way. We've been talking about this for several weeks, that it is a gamble either way. He could go, go in the second round, make some money, but then, you know, as as Danny Shays reminded us uh, about a week ago, he better be good right away. Better make a good first impression. If you're a second-round pick, you need to get off to a good start. Uh, to to feel valuable with whatever organization takes you. If he comes back to school, there's a potential his stock could rise, and he could go in the first round next year, and then that's that's a little more job security moving forward. But then again, he could come back. He could have a poor year by his standards. He could get hurt. There's a, there's a lot of things right. that could go wrong. So it's it is it's a roll of the dice either way. Uh, from Adam Zagoria of ZagsBlog.com, uh, another one of these six four to six eight wing players who shoots the three. Kevin Herter expected to higher priority sports. And, and stay in the draft. So, you know what? I, I mean, you just kind of, you know, you, you look at, at guys who are staying in the field. There are a lot of guys in this, like, 6'4 to 6'8 wing player, three-point shooter kind of guys, right? I, I mean, it, it's not like Ty's battle does anything, you know, specifically. Like, one specific thing that you would point to that elevates him above everybody else. Is there? Right. I mean, that's what we always say, right? What do you do exceptionally well? What can you do exceptionally well at the next level? You know, Carmelo Anthony, for instance, we knew he would be a scorer. Dion Waiters, I mean, his ability to to go at the basket downhill, quote unquote, and and you know, he's a he's a scorer. He's instant offense. We know that. You know, what does Michael Carter Williams do exceptionally well? What does Tyler Ennis I mean, Tyler Ennis's game at Syracuse was what? Running the steady team. hand. Right. He was a steady hand. He was a steady hand. Do you really, you know, it, there is a place for that in the NBA. We've seen that because yeah. he's he's still in the NBA and he's still earning a paycheck. But it, it, he's not a guy that you thought, well, he's going to be a star at the next level no. because his biggest strength was just being smart, high basketball IQ, running a team. Perfect for what? Perfect for a backup point guard, yes. which is what he is. Yes, he he was. Yes, he was the perfect backup point guard. Michael Carter Williams had all the the freak athleticism and was a six foot six po- seven six 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 seven point guard who you were hoping you could mold and and make a little bit better. But right? couldn't so, shoot and had but, a turnover problem. Right, and turned out to still not be able to shoot and still have a turnover problem. Uh, you know what? What is Ty's battle? Ty's battle is a six foot six wing, and you you can find some six foot six wings. Kevin Herter, by the way, uh, again, just going off of the ESPN mock draft because it happens to be in front of me, uh, they've got him going 19th. So they like Kevin wow. Herter a lot. Uh, again, a Kogi uh, projected to go in the first round by ESPN. DiVincenzo project- projected but to go in the you, first round. But, but here's the thing. You mentioned a Kogi, DiVincenzo, Herter, Grayson Allen, Tyus Battle. The, aren't those names all interchangeable? Like, more or less? You know, like, if, if Tyus Battle had gone to the Combine and, and done what Josh Kogi did, isn't he the first-round pick instead of a Kogi? Yeah, potentially. Like, I mean, like you, Okogie you know that, really you know helped I mean? his case by going you, to the combat. Right. You understand my point. Here. I do is understand like, your point. Like the these guys, just by nature, and and this is what happens at the end of the first round. If you play the same position and have similar measure, measurables, you're all interchangeable. Like once you get past, you know, eighteen twenty in the first round, you're just kind of there, aren't you? I, I mean, you're just kind of in this talent pool, and and. You know, yeah, maybe you know, maybe Tyler Lydon is a little bit better of a three-point shooter than the next six foot ten point uh, power uh, power forward stretch four. But you know what? They're all six foot ten power forward stretch fours. You know, t- maybe Tyus Battle has a little bit more explosiveness or, or is a little bit better playmaker than Josh Okogie. But you know what? They're both six foot six, six foot five 
Two guards. Some of the other names that ESPN has going ahead of battle, guards, uh, Jalen Brunson, first pick of the second round. They've got Hamadou Diallo from Kentucky going 35th, Bruce Brown from Miami going 36th, Javon Carter from West Virginia going 37th, Gary Trent from Duke uh, going 39th. So, again, a lot of guards, you know, to your point, Seth, Tyus, I don't want to say he's a dime a dozen because he's obviously you know a very athletic player and he can score and you know we we saw what he could do here. I mean he can score on all three levels. He's a, a very hard worker, a good kid. Um, you know I think he's going to be a you know a good teammate. Totally agree with I, all of that. Th- so I don't I don't want this to come across as in any way, shape, or form. You know I'm disparaging Tyus Battle, but it feels like you know his. His position on a team, it's a, it's a dime a dozen, right? You said interchangeable parts, so it's it's kind of who do you who do you like the best? And I know the hitch in his shot is is hurting his stock to some degree. Um, you know, there's always the knock. Well, he went to Syracuse, plays zone. Can he really play man to man? All the things we've heard in the past. And when you've got a guy like Josh Kogi, you know, freak athlete who showed at the combine, you know, he tested very well. There are there are guys at his position that their stock has risen to the point where it's pushed battle down. Not necessarily the battle hurt his cause, as you said, but he's been pushed down the pecking order a little bit. Can I can I read a bit from the mock draft that that I think exhibits this kind of interchangeableness uh, a little bit? I think pretty well. So this is for the Josh Okogie pick, and and it's explaining the Boston Celtics thinking. The Celtics have a tough decision with them. Uh, in front of them, with Marcus Smart entering restricted free agency and Terry Rozier eligible for an extension, and they might need to find a less expensive backcourt option to avoid luxury tax issues. Okay, so in this mock draft, you plugged in Josh Akogi. Last week, you might have plugged in Dante DiVincenzo. Next week, you might plug in Grayson Allen. Right? Like, like the, how many people fit that description? How many people fit that description of, well, we need somebody like Marcus Smart or Terry Rozier, and they just have to be cheaper? We just we just don't want to pay them fifteen million dollars a year like Marcus is going to command, and if they can do that, like we're happy with them. Yeah, save a lot of money, and you get essentially the same player. There's so many people between twenty five and forty that you could fit in that in that discussion. Uh, I mean, uh, Okogi, Divincenzo, Jerome Robinson to an extent, Grayson Allen. uh, I would say Jalen Brunson's a little bit different, but Hamadou Diallo, uh, Bruce Brown. Gary Trent, Tyus Battle. I mean, that's that's eight people that, that you could fit into that description between twenty five and forty. Did not work out for the Celtics, as far as we know. Again, it was Clippers, Lakers, Magic, Nets, Knicks. Those are the five right. that we know of that he worked out for after the combine, and obviously met with teams at the combine in Chicago as well. But those were the five private workouts or the you know the six man workouts they always bring in six right. guys play three on three so on and so forth so he met with those teams since the combine he's got a decision to make less than 12 hours again midnight tonight 11:59 p.m. the official decision needs to be in with the NCAA the NBA doesn't care NBA's deadline is a couple weeks, weeks away, away but the NCAA yeah. needs to know if Ty's battle is coming back or not by the end of today can i ask a stupid question about this why aren't the deadlines the same? It's not a stupid question at all. It, it doesn't make any sense. I think some it's, of it it's may have to do with the the overseas guys because obviously they don't need to tell the yeah, NCAA. Yeah, but can they match it? Can, well, can, that can would we make just sense. match them up? That would make can sense. Can we just get them to be the same? Well, the NBA is probably like, well, we'll give the overseas guys an extra week and a half or extra two weeks. The NCAA is like, no, our coaches need to know if the guys are coming back. And the NBA is like, all no, right, fine, have your own deadline. We're going to keep ours where it is. I don't know. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But the college guys need to tell the NCAA what they're doing. Uh, the overseas guys have another week and a half or so 
before the the NBA's deadline of whether or not they're going to stay in or withdraw. We do have Mike Waters set to join us on the other side to talk Tyus Battle, to talk some basketball. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. Live from Armory Square. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Stephen Seth back with you on a Wednesday edition of Orange Nation. Phone lines open the rest of the way at 315-437-7644. We've been talking mostly college basketball to this point. We do need to turn our attention to the NBA and a bizarre story to come out last night regarding Philadelphia 76ers general manager Brian Colangelo. It involves social media. It involves fake accounts. The kids call them burner accounts. Yes. Um, you sent me this this story last night from The Ringer. You texted me. You're like, did you see this? It is and as awesome. I was reading it, we were kind of reading it together. Just I was at work, and, and I, I'm sure you were probably at home. And, yep. and we're, we're both just like, like, what is, like, we have to talk about this tomorrow. Like, what is this? What was like? What was your reaction as you're reading all the details How in this story? How stupid are people? How stupid are people? That's that's my reaction. How how do you like? I'll get this. I'll, I'll throw this out there first. I totally understand why NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball front office people, even announcers who don't want to be on Twitter. I understand why people have silent, fake, non-active Twitter accounts. I do because Twitter's a great source for news. It, it lets you snoop around on your players. Like, it gives you a little insight. I get why you have a silent, like, f- kind of fake anonymous account. That makes sense to me. What does not make sense to me is actually going and using it. Like, I, I could never imagine going and using an anonymous Twitter account to say all this great stuff about myself, the job that I'm doing, trash all these other players, bash your predecessor, and oh, by the way, let's make fun of that guy who took my job in Toronto, too. Like, I I, I don't get that. Like, that, that's the part of this to me that is mind-blowing. I understand having the account because you want to follow Joel Embiid. You don't want him to know that you're following him. You want to follow this reporter. You don't want him to know. Whatever it is. I get that part. I don't get the actual tweeting part. The only part that I can... You know, kind of, sort of forgive. I don't know if that's the right word or not. I guess maybe the only part that I understand would be, you know, if he's got a thin skin. We saw this with Kevin Durant, right? That he had, you know, he's got a thin skin. Some, right. Some fans, you know, were were tweeting some things about him. He felt the need to respond and to defend himself, you know, in the third person as a fake account. I can understand if Brian Colangelo felt the need to. I have to defend myself. Maybe a reporter says something about him in, in an article that he takes exception to. And so under a fake account, he wants to respond. Like, I can kind of sort of get or, that. Or even or even pushes back because Sam Hinkie's getting so much love right now. Right. I get, I could almost understand that. Right. That strikes a nerve with him. Right. Like, no, okay, he didn't do it. I mean, like, I wouldn't I'm do it, now. but I, I almost get that. Right. I, I, I do understand. I can understand that. The part that I don't understand about this whole story is... Taking shots at your own players, Joel yes. Embiid, Markel Fultz, the fact that you know he put some medical information out there about Jalil Okafor, saying that you know he failed a physical, uh, you know, talking about Sam Hinkie, and, and not even you know necessarily in relation to Brian Colangelo and the Sixers, but just taking shots at Hinkie for the ta- the sake right. of taking shots at Hinkie. I I don't understand. He was trying to tip off reporters, right? He was like, ask Julia Okafor if he failed the physical. Talking like about medical trying... information, talking about possible trades. Uh, again, just taking shots at his own players, nothing constructive. I 
that's the part I don't understand. And so I, I said it earlier when we had Mike Waters on. You know, there are these reports from around the league that, you know, NBA executives and NBA personnel are giving Brian Colangelo the benefit of the doubt at this point, if for no other reason. It, it, basically, they're saying, how could he be that dumb? So until we get all the information, we're going to assume he wasn't this <laughs> right. dumb. But there, there's some, I don't know if it's proof, um, circumstantial evidence, I guess. Well, the that, whole thing is circumstantial evidence, right. isn't it? Like, the, the whole thing is, well, he is, is circumstantial. Well, he is admitted to what, well, not him. The team is the admitted, team admitted to, to, to him being the the author of one of the accounts. But that account hasn't tweeted. That account, right. that account is what you would think of as just, you know, hey, I want to keep an eye on everything. But there are similarities between that account and several of right. these other the accounts in terms of follow. who they right. follow. And well, and here's the thing, here's the thing that I find really interesting, and, and this was... By the way, and, and I know Mike Waters said this earlier when we, we asked him about it, this is a really good job by, by the writer of this, uh, Ben Dietrich. Uh, really good stuff on, on how he kind of went about this, but he went to the Sixers and only gave them the name of two of the accounts. Right, He only told them two of them. He only told them uh, the one that the Sixers would confirm is Colangelo's, and that's the one that never tweets, and one of the other five. One of the other four, I should say. Immediately after he told them about the two, the the other three of the five were locked. And and they just like went away and you couldn't see their tweets anymore. So in his mind, he went to them with two and they were like, Oh crap, somebody found out. We've got to do something about these other three. And they didn't know that he obviously had monitored monitored them. So he saw that and was like, Okay, red flag, like Something's going on here. They, you know, the these are obviously all connected. And one of them, and he had started a fake account as well, correct? And right. and one of those uh, locked accounts, he was actually following, and so right. he could see the so tweets even, see even after it was locked. Yeah, and it's it's just unbelievable to me to to watch this. Uh, you know, he writes, "I did not, uh, I did not disclose our suspicions about the other three accounts, one of which had been active earlier that day. I did see. I did this to see whether the partial disclosure would trigger any changes to the other accounts. On a follow-up call that day, Philadelphia's uh, media representative told me that he would ask Colangelo whether he had any information about the two accounts. That afternoon, within three out within hours of the call, all three of the accounts I hadn't discussed with the team had switched from public to private. So, like, obviously, it set off alarm bells. And and you look at this, and he follows like Jerry Colangelo's son and his high school teammates, and uh, like all, like Philadelphia writers, and that's it, right? Like Joel Embiid, and like, and like, like sales staff yeah. with the Sixers, like people in the building that like only somebody in the building would know. So that this whole thing is mind blowing to me. And and you mentioned the the really troubling part. The really troubling part is is the tweets, right? The the really pu- troubling part isn't that he has these accounts. It's the fact that he went and tweeted or is you know retweeting. Uh, and liking certain things, you know what, uh, you know stuff about Markel Fultz, like hey, it's all a mental. Essentially saying, yeah, it is all a mental issue. Like the the shoulder thing's not a not a problem, or you know, hey, we had this other guy in here working with him, that was a real problem. Like that 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 was the real issue with Markel Fultz, or or as you mentioned, saying that Jaleel Okafor failed a physical, and that's why the trade fell through. Uh, that's the real problem with this. You can't go out and do this. Uh, you can have your fake account. You can monitor. You can do whatever. You can't do that, right? No, you can't. And, you know, we talked about this with Mike Waters, that he's not just jeopardizing his employment with the Philadelphia 76ers. In fact, if if even, like, 20% of this is true, he's probably out of a job with the Philadelphia 76ers. If he only had one of the five accounts and was shooting off tweets. But if, you know, not only is he jeopardizing 
his employment, I think he's jeopardizing his career. Like, if who would hire him to be a GM? Like, has he made some some good decisions? I mean, again, you could that's subjective, but I think you could look at how Philadelphia is constructed right now. It's not all him, but he's made some good decisions. But and over the course really, of his career, he's a very well respected right NBA person. However, does that go out the window? If, if yes, if twenty percent of this is true yes. or more, how do you respect him if he's the guy making the decisions? You don't as you, a player. How you do you don't. respect him? You he he's fired. He's gone. He never works again. That's so, it. I, I don't think it, does he work again? Probably in some capacity, but in a much lower level. He's certainly not going to be the GM of an NBA team. No, he can't be the GM or president. And and you know to the, to this point, you know Derek Bodner on the Athletic in Philadelphia wrote you, you know kind of broke it down and was like, hey, like here's what we know, here's what we don't know. What does it mean? And he made a really good point of not only how is he going to sit there and face Joel Embiid again and face Markel Fultz again and say, hey, you know. You, this is why we're giving you money. This is why we're not giving you money. How is he going to sit there and and sign free agents and and lure them in when they know that this is a possibility out there? So yeah, I, I think the whole thing is is in, insane. Uh, and and that's before you get to like the joke of he's running around anonymously bashing people, like this guy who how insecure does he have to be to to in 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 his position? He's won NBA Executive of the Year how many times? He's been president of USA Basketball. He's you know worked at basketball on the highest levels, and he's running around Twitter anonymously bashing these players that work for him. I mean, did we see the same thing with Kevin Durant though? And that's just one example where KD, you know, you say, well, talk about thin skin. Like he had to create a fake Twitter account so he could go on and defend himself against you know angry fans and the whole you know if you can't beat him, join him. And he's soft because he decided to go you know join Golden State and right. And he fired back but forgot to change the account and people noticed right. And so how many questions do you think he's going to get about this tonight? By the way, KD. On the off day, yeah. A lot. He's going to get so many questions. A lot. And so you just said, how insecure can you be? It's not unusual, even for people who are very successful. Um, it's not unusual for them in a position of power to be very thin-skinned. And, you know, I would consider KD in a position of power. He's certainly a superstar, but he's got, you know, he's got a thin skin, obviously. We, we've seen it time and time again. Just, you know, at least KD was just defending himself. And, and that's the part with Colangelo like I can kind of accept if he, you know, somebody questions a trade or a move and he's, you know, if he wants to defend that or feels the need to. The part I don't understand is the taking the shots at your own players, the releasing medical information about guys. No, that, you I mean, can't you, be you doing cannot that. do that. No. Um, and also, by the way, if it's not Brian Colangelo, it's somebody else in the front office, right? Like, like it's somebody's falling on the sword right. on this. Well, no, it's not falling on the sword. Like if it's not Brian Colangelo, it's somebody else really high up in the Sixers front office. What I'm saying is, is that if Colangelo, maybe it is Colangelo. Maybe they could find a way to make someone else sacrifice their job. I guess is what to save some embarrassment. When I say someone is falling on the sword, someone is getting fired over this. It's either him. Maybe someone else, maybe multiple people. Someone is falling on the sword, and you know, and taking ownership of this at some point, and right. then moving on. He owned up to the one account. Maybe they can pawn off the other accounts on someone else, even if he had a, a hand in it. Someone is falling on the sword with this. The, the other thing I love about this is that there's now a, a Twitter conspiracy theory that Sam Hinkie is behind the whole thing, and that he he's the one who like leaked it to the ringer. 
Which, right, the which anonymous love, source, right? Yes, like that he was the anonymous source, and that uh, and that not only is he the anonymous source, but that because it's Philadelphia and Bill Simmons runs the ringer, and he's like, ooh, how can I damage the Celtics rival? Like, there's this big conspiracy theory now going around on Twitter about why this came out now, and I, and I love... And like how the, it came out. Right, and, and the whole thing is just awesome. Like, the, the whole thing is just amazing. I, I showed you a tweet earlier... Uh, that that popped up in in my Twitter timeline of you know somebody pointing out uh, a tweet from one of these burner accounts, the one that had the most kind of disparaging stuff on it, and uh, this person tweeting out, so Ben Simmons was healthy near the end of 2016, uh, 2016. Uh, 2016-2017 season, but decided not to play. Were the Sixers being cautious with his health, or were there other considerations? If only there were some team insider we can ask. And the the burner account goes uh, in a screenshot says, if he doesn't play this year, he's still eligible for Rookie of the Year next year. And that tweet, the the original tweet posting all this, is liked by Donovan Mitchell. Like this this whole idea of like NBA Twitter and. NBA players just being crazy, petty, self-absorbed people online is amazing. Like, did you see Joel Embiid's reaction to it last night? Yes. Yeah, he had a lot of sarcastic things to say. At the end of the day... He tweeted at the Burner account. Right. He went and liked all the tweets about him. And after that, he ended it with a tweet that that said... Fun night on Twitter. Uh, all jokes aside, I don't believe it. And he said, if this is true, that would be insane. Um, I think he speaks for everyone that you know. Yes. They, it's hard to believe that this is true. But there is enough there that it feels like there is a good chance that it is true. And if it is, again, Brian Colangelo or someone uh, at the, the Sixers organization is, is out of a job. I like the last line of what he said to Woj last night. I thought it was just so... So perfect and so simplistic. His statement to Woj, Joel Embiid, said, I talked to him, Colangelo, and he said he didn't say that. He called me just to deny the story. Gotta believe him until proven otherwise. If true, though, that would be really bad. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag analysis. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like what I said last week, the NCAA is really dumb. Like, yes. Like, thank you. We know. Do you have a second account? Uh, No. Well, I I have the ESPN Syracuse and ESPN Utica Rome account. You can say whatever you want. Does it count? No, that do you, doesn't count. Okay, do you? Uh, do I? I hope, you know there's, a, I hope there's another Stephen Fonte account floating around I actually around out there. do have a second account um, that I don't use, but I have it. It's interesting you should bring that up. I, I forgot about it. I actually do have a second account, and this is why I have a second account. Um, it's not under a fake name. When Twitter started to become very popular, News Channel 9 wanted us to change our Twitter handle to our name and then NC9. So my Twitter handle that you you know as you know right. Stephen Fonti NC9. Um I had already gotten the rights quote unquote to the Twitter handle at Stephen Fonti. If you must know, when I joined Twitter there was an at Stephen Fonti already taken. The person, I think he was like a professor in like Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. He had not tweeted in like a year and my wife like knows everyone, and so she knew somebody at Twitter, and we looked into the rules, and the rules are if you don't tweet in six months, you can lose your account. So you just took it. So I took it. So I took at Stephen Fonte. and but I don't tweet really from it because so somebody could take that account away from you. Some well, other Stephen Fonte thing. somewhere can uh, take it away Seth, from you. I'm smart though. Every once in a while, I go on there and I'll just tweet yes. something or retweet something oh, so that I reset the six month <laughs> yes. shot clock. So I want to find this account now. And now that we bring it up, I'm not sure I've done anything in the last six months, so I'm going to go on after the show and make sure I tweet something or like something. or As long as there's activity in six months. I found it. 
Have I done anything in six months? Uh, no, you haven't done anything in three years. No. Oh, you're in trouble. Have really? Oh no, you're in trouble. No, yes. I think I've done something more recently. You than haven't that. tweeted anything since April sixth of twenty fifteen. Is that right? This account, this account, by the way, is followed by three people that that we we would know. Obviously, three accounts that we would know, uh, or three accounts that I follow. Okay. Oh man, this. Is so so I'm gonna have to go. I'm gonna have to take care of that after the show. But in answer to your question, yes, I have a second <laughs> account. Should uh, you know, I ever leave Channel Nine or whatever the next chapter You've of my got life it ready is? Made. I've got at Stephen Fonte. I've got how many followers do I have? Probably not that many. Thirty nine. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I'm, I've got some I'm work to do. I'm following it now, just in case. All right, I appreciate it. Maybe that counts as activity. I hope it does. We do have to take a time out. 315-437-7644. Back with today's business after this on ESPN Radio.